Yo, 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 this is Miss Wanda. This is Mark. And you are listening to The Sweet Podcast. <laughs> All right, guys, welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of The Sweet Podcast. We are back. It's 2018. We have an exciting next couple of episodes for you guys. Um, right out the gate tonight, we have my co-host, my right hand, the person I got to keep kicking throughout the podcast and yeah. make sure... Yeah. You know, he don't go a little crazy. Mark is here with What's me. What's good? What's really good? What's good, everybody? Yeah, it's got to be back one day. You know what I'm saying? We got a hot, hot topic to touch right now. Yeah. And I'm excited about it. Let's get into it, man. I'm ready. Okay, so we're going to introduce our guests. We have two different guests with us tonight. And normally, you know, we try to bring the guests in later. But for this particular episode, I want my guests involved in the topic right out the gate. So before I even go into introducing him, I just want to tell you guys, you know, like, thank you so very much for the support, yeah. uh, you know, of our very first episode. We did tell you guys, like, we wanted to see what the, you know, how you guys felt about it, the feedback. It was amazing. We love the subjects that you guys sent and that you want us to cover. Yeah. Thank you for all the people that subscribed, the amount Absolutely. of people that subscribed in like 24 hours. For sure, for sure. So it really made Mom's us even fine. more excited, you know, to keep these topics coming. And we want to, like we say, keep in, you know, make sure we bring topics that's educational, yet fun. Yeah. And, you know, topics that, you know, the Haitian and American community is saying we would like, you know, for our generation to, you know, basically talk about more or have conversations about. So thank you guys so much. So keep the feedback coming, keep subscribing and showing us love. Now, so my guest, one of my guests tonight. So I have known Wilkin for, I think from the beginning, like when we started, when I started blogging, like very beginning. And at the time he was doing, you know, he was writing, he was on Facebook, dropping all these facts. I was like, yo, who is this guy? So we started communicating and I think then you left you went yeah, to Korea. Yep. Yeah, then <laughs> Korea. he left. He went to Korea, <laughs> and he was there for a while, but he was still in Korea, all pro-black, pro-Haitian. Any pro-black, pro-Haitian in Korea. Pro-Haitian in Korea, posting these it. videos and doing, you know, um, like talking about all this different content in Korea about what it was like to be, you know, a black man out there. And if um, a lot of you guys may not have checked out, you have to go and Google this. He is also... The gentleman that did the video in Korea with a, it was a Korean lady, right? Yeah. Korean yeah. lady. It went viral. <laughs> right. It went viral because she saw his dreads <laughs> for the first time and freaked out. And the way that he handled it was so amazing. And that's what I think would make the video go viral. So I want you guys to go check that out. So my guest tonight is Wilkin Brutus. Yeah. What up? What up? <laughs> so, little, you know, quick bio on Wilkin. So, Wilkin is Haitian American, of course, writer, web series producer. He's also free. Freelance multimedia journalist. He has millions of views all across social media. Um, he's covered like international travel, culture, of course, current affairs. Um, basically, his forward thinking approach to human relations, particularly during the time in South Korea, <laughs> has garnered several TV and radio um, appearances. Didn't you do CNN or something like that? Uh, I did uh, WPTV Channel 5. Wow. Okay. Yeah, RT, RT America. So, I did RT America. Okay. okay. So he, he's That's done big. some really yeah. big um, appearances and magazine contributions. He was also a keynote, um, spe- he was keynote speaker performance at Twitter headquarters for a symposium on digital media alongside Google Ventures, 
Partners, Bloomberg, Ebony Magazine, and LinkedIn. So you've yeah. been working. Man, it was dope. <laughs> it's been dope. It's a lot. It's, a lot. Right? <laughs> it's, it's cool. Twitter hit me hard, though. Like, you know, I, I'm like, I, am I at Twitter? Like, I'm at Twitter. <laughs> I got real Twitter fingers at Twitter. It, it, you know. No, but your content on Twitter is always good, too. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, like, you start really good conversations appreciate on Twitter, it. so they better have showed you love. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's great, man. So, walking, you know, say, you know, you've already kind of been part of Lean Sweet Family. We posted stuff about yeah. you. You know, we, we, we tried to, we posted your recent video. We've been di- digital <laughs> so homies been, for a long yeah, time. Yeah, for a long time. It's our first time actually first meeting. First time physically meeting each other. Yeah. Oh, word. Yeah. First time. Oh, wow. like, we've, we've, we've been, been showing. Like, well, that's been, the, genera- it's the generation so, we live in. Supporting yeah. each other. I share whatever they share, right. comment, yep. you know, have dialogue on their comment section. She shared mine. It, it's just. But that's the, the connection has been there for quite a long time, and I really appreciate it too. No, know. of course, like, we yeah, appreciate so. you. So happy to have you yeah, here. Man. I know you drove a little ways to get here, it's, so I appreciate you. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. like one of the things like I said, like you always, you're very, you know, pro-black, pro-IECN. Yeah. Um, so our topic for tonight, which we're going to discuss, is growing up Haitian. So. I know that sounds like you guys see the growing up Haitian hashtag and things like that, and we're normally joking yeah. and doing doing comedy posting memes where we're talking about growing <laughs> yeah. up Haitian. But it was real. <laughs> Haitian American production. It was real. Right. It Haitian American production. Growing up so Haitian. So funny. So, but tonight we're twisting it up a little bit. We're <laughs> actually talking about growing up Haitian American, really yeah. in America. So we kind of had already started planning this episode prior to January, and we wanted to talk about what it was like. <clears throat> Growing up in America, because mm-hmm. these days, okay, so now, one of the things I see all the time is it's so cool to be Haitian. It's a gimmick. We're in the videos, everybody throwing flags next to their yeah. name. It's we got to do double research now mm-hmm. before we call people Haitian American. Like What's a dad? <laughs> right, like wait, that's not a Haitian last name. Right, right. Oh, we getting man. Fetty Wapped. <laughs> oh, for sure. Fetty Wapped was off. We getting Fetty Wapped. Fetty was Haitian for a good six months, so then we find out he wasn't. So <laughs> till he wasn't. <laughs> till he wasn't. So <laughs> it's so cool to be Haitian now, and you know, people are always saying like, "Oh, this generation, we're way proud. We're more proud to be Haitian than the old generation." And you guys were yeah. throwing up flags and doing what we were doing. Right. And I wanted to talk about this topic because one of the things like I talked to, you know, some of these younger kids about like wait a minute it wasn't that you know we didn't want to represent yeah it was not that easy basically to represent back in the day the way right. you're doing it now we right. didn't see all these people in music videos or everybody in low haiti trying to take pictures it by flags a, and everything it, was it wasn't a very that- <laughs> different environment <laughs> absolutely a different culture a different everything at times a matter yeah. of life and death okay yeah <laughs> seriously but it's in, cool. a, in a very serious way you know what I'm saying? It was a completely different experience mm-hmm. than what y'all got right now. Exactly. Think, wow. So we, so I wanted to, t- you know, touch on this topic because I'm like, yeah, you guys, it's cool to be Haitian right now, but we didn't just make it cool. There's a lot of people that paved the way, you know, to set us up right now to where we are able to do what we're doing. And Ian Sweet has the possibility of being what we are. And you have these celebrities and all these people wanting to wave the flag. Outside from our history, yeah. our contributions, right. and all the things that we've done, it's not like it was hidden. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. Right. It wasn't like it was something that was hidden. People just weren't talking about it. Yeah. You know? So yeah. it, it wasn't that, you know, that people just weren't proud and these things didn't exist. It was right. just- a socio-political stigma behind it. It yeah. wasn't that cool. It wasn't. It wasn't a cool. Cool. Cool was like the opposite of what it was. What they tried to put on us as 
like the image of what we were supposed to think we were. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. So it was like, dang, there's 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 this culture right here that you're coming into, and then you guys are so different. You must be the opposite of that, cause whatever's cool on this side, you guys are the opposite of that. So we're gonna yeah. say you weren't cool, and we're gonna you know put it put put on you all these negative stigmas and things. It well, was, you know, crazy. Um, first generation Americans from all racial backgrounds are like the gatekeepers who. Um, they hold the triumphs and the burdens at the same time. True. So in South Korea, I found a lot of parallels with that. Korean Americans. Right. On one side, they're Korean. On the other side, they're American. Okay. Yeah. And so they was pretty much conflicted on which side they should represent the most. Is it the Korean side? Because if they go to Korea, they're not Korean enough. Mm -hmm. They go here, they're too Asian enough. And then, you know, they get called chinks or whatnot. And they get called all of these like racial insensitive names. Mexican Americans, Haitian Americans, Mm -hmm. first generation, first generation Americans Mm -hmm. with immigrant parents. We are the gatekeepers who make it easier for the next generation. Right. Right. And so they have to realize that if you have um, an immigrant background, starting off is always going to be much more difficult because yeah. you have stigmas involved. Right. And I think you know. I think we felt that because we were kind of late to the show. I think Haitians started, probably started coming into this country really towards mm-hmm. the, the 60s, whereas other countries, they probably started coming a little earlier than that. So mm-hmm. the assimilation, and the assimilation for Haitians is a lot more difficult too with the language barrier yeah. on top of everything else. And, you know, I think Latinos... But why do you guys say that with the whole language thing? Like, how is it? Because you have a lot of the people that's coming from these Latin countries and stuff mm-hmm. there. Everyone doesn't come come here speaking English. So right. why why is the Creole in English or, you know, why, why, what's the... Well, Haiti's, I, I, I mean, Martinique, Guadalupe, those are the only two countries that speak a, a French Creole. Yeah. Like, we're a Francophone country isolated amongst all of these other countries. Word. So, um, linguistically, it's hard to assimilate. Whereas, Latin America is massive. The only yeah. difference is the way in which they speak Spanish. Right. Colombian Spanish versus Mexican Spanish. It's still Spanish. Yeah. They can still communicate. Um, and they've probably already established communities. Mexico pretty much own California and um, New Mexico. They own actual states. (laughs) There's like a Mexican-American war. Yeah, (laughs) exactly what you're saying. It's like... um the Latinos, there's so many of them, so many different places that they come from. The language assimilation is not that crazy because they could always, you know, bounce off each other. Like, you go to New York, you had the Puerto Ricans and New Yorkers. Yep. When a Cuban comes up there to New York, it's like, okay, well, I could just vibe with these New Yorkers yeah. because, you know, they're, they, they're already there. But, you know what I'm saying, the Jamaicans and the other islands, they spoke English, basically, so yeah. there's no real language assimilation. Us, it's just us. Creole is Creole. If you speak Creole, you Haitian. And, you know, there's also... A, on top of that, there's the race discrimination mm-hmm. within the race. You know what I'm saying? Like the colorism. Yeah, interracial. Right? So we have the race issue because we predominantly black, right? Mm-hmm. So everybody's looking at us like, okay, now you black, you black, and you speaking another language. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then you coming into the black community, and they like, who are you? Like, you know what I'm saying? You you don't speak like us. You mm-hmm. look like us. We can't. You That's what I was going to ask. What, where did you grow up, Mark? Me, I grew up in Kendall. Okay, so you're Miami. Miami. Now, I was born in New York. I was born in Brooklyn. I always say I was born in Brooklyn. But, you know, I I left, we left Brooklyn when I was four years old. So for the most part of my life, the 90s, I was in Kendall, which is a completely different kind of atmosphere. Because Kendall is predominantly... Predominantly what? Go ahead. I'm saying Latino, Latina, right? Right. So Kendall's really, really, really Latino. And especially right now, like, 
back in like the 90s when I was growing up, Kendall was more like you had Jamaicans, you had Latinos, but it was like a, a, a real mixture. And you had a lot of Jewish people too. Like now it's become a lot more Latino than it ever was. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the, the Kendall experience of being Haitian American, man, is, is very, is very unique and different. And I wanted the guys to touch, touch on like their experience growing yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. and I can get into the, the, the difference that I noticed growing up and in, in, in why, why that was. You earlier, know earlier you touched on, um, Inter-ethnic conflict, right? Interracial yeah. um, conflict. Yeah, it's historical. If you think about it, um, you think about the Bosnian genocide, the Rwandan genocide. Remember right. Hutus versus Tutsi. Right. Yeah. Physically, they look exactly the same, right. but they dehumanize each other in order to maintain power, right? right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Bosnian conflict, the Slavics, the Slavic people. They they all look white to us, right. but they were. Killing each other. Completely different. Right? Um, Italians versus Irish. Catholic Irish versus Catholic Italians. In Brooklyn, they were fighting for housing and job security. Yeah. They look white to us, but they were fighting each other. And so if you speak a different language, it's just naturally uh, tribalistic. And you start molding your own culture, molding your own cultural capital, social capital. Um, the power rests in the dominant culture. So regardless if you physically look alike, it really doesn't matter. Right. You go to East Africa, Eritreans versus Ethiopians. Right. Physically look, look the alike. same, right. but completely different countries, completely different cultural customs, right. value systems. Um, like, for now, example, we're Haitian. Most most Haitians are Christians. Yeah. If we were to move to Senegal, which don't, is Muslim. Don't say that now, listening. You better tread lightly with that. Yeah. Well, I'm agnostic. <laughs> we are, we are, we are a mixed bunch. I'm talking about the, I'm talking about the country itself. Oh, yeah, right. okay, according, to my, according to my readers, that's not the truth. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, there's a lot of conflict. Oh, I, I bobo to all my, you know, Haitians who, who, who you know, um, have Basket pride in our, yeah. our African spirituality. Right. What I'm saying is on a, on a grand scale, yeah. we know our parents yeah. were mostly Christian. Christians who, right. uh, who pretty much came to the United States right. in that regard. Right, right, um, right. But again, if we if, if we focus on this sort of like black essentialism and to assume that we can just assimilate in any society without considering the politics involved in who we are as human beings and as a culture, it's never really going to work. We have to acknowledge our differences within yeah. that race. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. every single race has gone through the but, same exact thing. But for me, like, do you guys really think like back then we're, we're talking about, so just so we're clear, guys, we're talking about, I guess, like our generation. So yeah. we're talking about the 90s right. within that area. So mm-hmm. you guys think around that time that really wasn't the case? Do you really think like, you know, the communities weren't trying to do that or... People were making it impossible. People were making it impossible. Well, yeah. 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 Physical fights. I, I <laughs> yeah. remember actually, because again, even though you're a, a white American could look at me and say, oh, he, he's an African-American. I yeah. can correct him and say I'm Haitian-American, right. yeah. but I still assimilate to some degree with African-American culture. Absolutely. If I go home, I'm, I'm you know, I'm eating yeah. Haitian food, but when yeah. I step out, I do, I'm African-American in that regard, yeah. right? But... African Americans didn't see us that way, and right. so they see they saw us as a job security, a threat. Yeah, you know. Um, at that time, also they said that we brought HIV. Yeah, remember yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. So all of the burdens that our parents went through, my parents were Haitian refugees okay. in the eighties. Right. All of the burdens she went through, I pretty much took upon that. Yeah. Because I was that first generation of that. No, so I, absolutely, man. It's, it's 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 very interesting. You were talking about like you know the the all the conflicts between ethnicities, and you know there's like there's always this political aspect of it that creates that. You know what I'm saying? There's always some outside entity that contributes to that even existing in the first place. Mm-hmm. And because that happens, right, 
you know, colonialism, slavery, whatever it is, you know, now you have to deal with somebody who normally would be your brother, normally would be, you know, in, 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 the, in the real world sense, somebody that is just like you. Right. But now mm. this person has put themselves into this caste system, right? So we all got these levels and classes that we are now, mm. right? And they can't wait. <clears throat> the person on the bottom can't wait for somebody new to come in to be like, all right, now I can look down at their person. Finally, there's somebody that I can be on top of. And I, because there's somebody that I can be on top of, that person must pay. I have to treat that person mm -hmm. accordingly. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Right. So I can solidify my own status yeah. within a society where I was already at the bottom. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, oh yeah. So I, Fight yeah, for resources. Because so, for me, so I, I came here from Turks and Caicos in 94, mm -hmm. right? So. When like for me, I don't really too much identify with the I guess growing up Haitian mm -hmm. in that era where it was like not cool to be Haitian. Like I don't really. So I, what year are we talking about? Let's talk so about I the came year. In, you know, so I came <laughs> in in '94. So when I got mm -hmm. here in '94, um, I didn't realize it wasn't cool to be Haitian. I yeah. knew mm -hmm. I was Haitian Turks Island. And I didn't think there was a problem. Right. And you know, first experience, my first day of school, like I'm getting on the bus and I'm watching these kids throw baby powder on some on girls that was on man. the bus because they had baby powder like on their right, neck. Right, right. So oh, the man. girls actually, yeah, food? Yeah, the food yeah. is good, <laughs> man. The yeah. islands and all that. So these <laughs> yeah. girls, I'm, I'm assuming, because this is my first day, they had worn the pood under their neck before. So these girls came in that day with like, you know, Ziploc bags of pood and they walked on the bus and just threw it at the girls. Oh, and I didn't man. realize then it had anything to do with the fact that they were yeah, Haitian. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was, was just booty scratchers, like, all right. these crazy names. So right out the gate, I'm like, oh, wait, they're Haitian. It's not cool to me. I'm asking like my, the person sitting on the bus with me, what is yeah. this about? So really quick, I realized in school, like, oh, it's not cool to be Haitian. <laughs> we ate cats. Um, <laughs> right? Definitely, like, oh, the, the cat thing was crazy. The cat like, thing was right? nuts. It was, like, like, what? Like, talking about, all of us did voodoo. They were scared to be friends with us. Like, it was Man. all this going on, and I was like, so and, now, I, and I didn't understand it. So now, what area are you talking about? What, you said it's 94, so but 94, what city? What city Broward. are you talking about? So I'm in Broward County. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm Broward County, William Dandy, Dillard High School. All so right. I'm, I'm, all right. yeah, I guess I'm certain schools maybe... It probably wasn't as intense in certain. Was it really intense? No, at the it was school? intense. Like okay. it was intense yeah, it was because real. I like literally there there was Jamaican versus Haitian right. days at school. Yeah, like yeah. for real. Like yeah. Jamaicans <laughs> would fight, and then Haitian Flag Day, which you know oh. back then, like because I'm not gonna lie, I didn't know that much about our culture, didn't right. get what Haitian Flag Day was. Everyone would show up. Well, the ones that weren't too afraid, that wanted to try to you know represent, mm -hmm. would come in their gear. I from the Rapping. bus to the schoolyard to after you gotta school, make back it. on the bus. By the time these kids are on their way home, clothes is dirty. They've we, been fighting we, all day. Which is insane for Everything. the new generation to say we weren't yeah. proud then. Right. Because yeah. we, like, we fought through that. It was yeah. harder. <clears throat> and they don't know the reason why they can make the news now for running through campuses and schools wearing and waving Haitian flags. Right. Yeah. It's because, you know, we were, they were like, girl, you ain't go through nothing. <laughs> but <laughs> you guys went through, you know, the thing yeah. That you basically went through and were really stopping. You couldn't show your pride. It wasn't that you didn't want to. It's like I'm not gonna get beat up. I watch kids get beat up. I watch <laughs> but, but guys that's a, get. I mean, that's the thing. Right but, but that's the yeah. thing. We, like we did show pride. Like we, we had a few, you know, people who suppressed it. Yeah. But when we was rocking, walking around in numbers. Oh yeah. yeah okay. That that flag was coming out. Yeah. 
even though we knew that had some repercussions. Right, right. So where you, you was at Wilkin? Like where West Palm Beach? West you, Palm Beach, yeah. So where? So where? How how was that experience? Oh, like? it was it was just like you know wanted to uh, describe. Um, I went to Forrester High School, very multicultural high school, right. and we had Latinos going against Latinos as well. You know, I think I remember seeing like Cubans fighting Puerto Ricans at one point. Right. Um, but it was intense. I actually had physical fistfights. Right. But I do remember a group of African Americans who supported us, which was very weird. You're mm-hmm. young. And you have these African Americans felt like, oh man, this is fucked up. Oh, yeah. Can I curse? <laughs> yeah, we might bleep it out, but you okay. don't bleep it out. I had a few. I had Speak a few. Af- <laughs> I'm glad you broke the ice. Not me this time. I had a few African Americans who uh, actually supported Haitians because they yeah. felt like, okay, this is actually wrong. Right. Yeah. You know, and I think sports helped me get out of it a lot. That was mm-hmm. my thing too. I was an athlete, mm-hmm. so I automatically was at the. You was already yeah. in crowd. So y'all was sports, in the crowd yeah. with the sports. It's like I said in, earlier. Yeah. Sports is cultural capital. Yeah. If they see you have some sort of gift, it's like the thug on the old block who it's don't like want you to smoke weed because he sees a promising future in you. Yeah. So it's like, it's like Michael keeps Jordan, it away Michael, from you. Michael Jordan's not really black. He's different. Mm. Right? Michael Jackson's right? not you have really that black. Veil. He's different. It's funny you mentioned cast. He said the word cast earlier so in India there's a huge caste system in India there's a group called the Dalit or what they call them the untouchables Untouchables. and the the lower the caste they are pretty much the lowest of the caste system to the point where people in the higher caste or even in the middle caste are not allowed to physically touch them wow (laughs) physically it's kind of like apartheid in the Hindu caste system so India is you know a billion people of course um a huge Muslim population, huge Hindu population. Yeah. Um, and so when I think about caste systems, I think about the way in which the U.S. kind of like develop its own caste system. Right. Latin America, the same thing. That's yeah. why Afro-Latinos are trying to like get their voice out there. Yeah. Because yeah. for the longest, they've been like the suppressed group. And then it was like the mestizos. And then the, 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 the I guess the, the biggest one that stands hard on a, on a social hierarchy are Spaniards. As I learn and I'm getting, you know, I'm learning about the culture and, I, and I'm part of the, like, I'm never ashamed to say that. I'm, I'm part of the new wave of, you know, Haitian, I'm Haitian, I'm Haitian. And a lot of times I tell people, like, I'm proud to say that because it I, it wasn't that I wasn't Haitian or wasn't trying to be because I didn't want to. You know, that wasn't mm-hmm. it. Like, mm-hmm. I, like, I was disconnected. Like, I, I, my parents didn't really, you know, do, and I didn't have that connection. Right. And it's like, once I learned, and which is a lot of reason why I feel like, they're saying like a lot of people didn't want to be Haitian or you didn't think it was cool, but now you think it's cool. A lot of times we didn't know. You mm. didn't know what you were missing. You yeah, didn't right. know right. the culture. A lot of times you, you bought into what they were saying. Like yeah. you bought into what I mean, I don't think like I bought in. It was like I never bought into it. I didn't okay. understand it. Right. Like I didn't understand it. And I feel like I didn't have enough people fighting against it. You know right. what I'm saying? It was yeah. like, you guys are this, you guys are that. I don't remember two like groups of people. It was more anger, but it wasn't. I'm not this and this is why. Like back then, if I were lo- mm-hmm. like, no, we're not this because we're the first black this and right, we're this right, and we right, contribute. Right. That's that's different, right? Because then you're like, wait, we're what? <laughs> wait, a, wait a minute. But it was it was just a whole lot of anger, yeah. you know? So like you're angry, your parents are angry, your yeah. friends, are, everybody's <laughs> angry. And yeah. we say, I feel no side, like this, you know, this, yeah. all this yeah. anger. Like, So you kind of associated with, you didn't really associate with being Haitian. You kind of associated probably more with other things that's like, you know, I'm an athlete, like Wanda would describe yourself. Yeah. I'm, I'm, am I an athlete? Am I, I don't know, think I like, thought how, about how did you, it. How did you, you didn't think about it? I didn't, it's, it's I didn't a, think in, about it's it because it's, 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 yeah, it's like this yeah. weird in-between, like you, I wasn't part of it, and I told you guys, too, like, I've, I've said this in the past, like, you know, Haitian kids was like, 
Ooh, bah, you see it. Like, I'm American. Yeah. I come back, I'm American. Right. Oh, you came boy. in, you didn't yeah, come in like that. that. You came in speaking English. I came in yeah. speaking English. And from another, they put me in Esau class the first week, and I said, no, thank you. <laughs> and when they got my mom, I was out of Esau but you, in but a you week. Knew how to speak English. No one understood. <laughs> no, it didn't matter. I came from Turks and Caicos, so for them, I went straight to Esau. Oh, wow. Mm. And my mom was like, negative. So <laughs> I was out in a week. So it's like, how did, why did she get out? So and she's we, not that Haitian. Right. right. So it was like, uh, that, so you already had that division. And then, so it's like, you know, they not not really vibing with me. Yeah. They, you know, the, hey, the Americans were. Then it's like, I was worried about being a straight-A kid, and then yeah. I'm an athlete, yeah. so I'm like completely just... Yeah, so much other stuff going oblivious. on. Yeah, and you're trying to get good grades. Yeah, I'm trying to get my <laughs> grades, because my mom's not playing. Trying to live your individual I'm, life. I'm seeing kids get, And then the thing is, like, for me, my brothers weren't getting beat up, too, right? They were, they so were not? They were Haitian, but they weren't getting beat up. They weren't going through some Did they play sports as well? No, they why, didn't. Why didn't they get beat up? And why do you think Now, looking back, I think it's because they, they didn't speak Creole either. They speak and they didn't want, you know, with you know hanging out with Haitian kids and things like that it's tough because so. my, my Creole is really bad and yeah. <laughs> I remember a lot of my Haitian friends was picking on my Creole so it was like damn yeah, yeah, can't yeah. like where don't do they, I they still do, do that belong? yeah they still yeah. do it's like you so gotta how be they call, how, they know you were, how did they know you were Haitian because she said her brothers didn't oh, I, have, speak I have a big family okay, and, and even though my curls bad, I'm, I'm hasty. Like you can yeah. tell, you know okay. what I mean. Okay. Um, not you know, really. It was, it was open. Were you not really, because you, you, looking at you, black African American, I could put all kinds of. I think I'm mm. not gonna say right. Oh yeah, you could tell I'm Haitian. No. No, way. no, no. I'm talking about back then. Like okay. people knew my cousins. Oh, okay. And okay. Were you okay. Born in Haiti or were you born here? I was born here. All right, cool. But you know, people knew my cousins. Like I had like. You know, the, the group I was around was Haitian and African-American, but yeah. I was mostly with my Haitian fam. Yeah. But sports put me on the African-American side as well. And I had Haitian-American friends who played sports as well. So, like, we were in this yeah. weird acceptance, not acceptance. Right. <laughs> so, okay, so now, like, with this whole, you know, it's cool to be Haitian, you know, back then they didn't love us, you know, you, you the whole thing. So now we're in this, we got this new generation of kids. Yeah. People are happy to be Haitian. Everybody putting Haitian flags next to their bios mm-hmm. and everything else. Like, you know, we're hot, right? Right. So we're, you know, we're trying to teach everyone else that don't know about our culture, our right. history, our background. Hey, which we never through, had, which we didn't have. Right. So we go through whatever we go through as a country and as a culture, but in the open now, we're more, we're louder about making sure people respect yeah. us and represent us in a certain way. So then this year, y'all president, 45, oh, man. <laughs> start the year off, you know, bringing back the AIDS thing. Right. Right. And I remember hearing about the AIDS thing growing mm-hmm. up. So mm-hmm. even when he said, I was like, wait, what? Which so luckily right. didn't stick. Right. But it didn't it stick didn't, as hard. What no. stuck was shithole. No, it right. didn't stick because that came right after. Right after. Yeah. It wasn't That's that true. long until. That's true. Because the, the, that one did, you know, it stuck enough to where people, right. you know, they, they had a group that was trying to march the bridge in New York. I think they may have mm-hmm. marched the bridge again in New York. The story from 25 years ago came up about when Brooklyn. You know all the people in Brooklyn when it shook the you know bridge yeah. over the yeah. whole comment. So it was getting it was getting yeah, right. hotter, and it's like the more the steam was going up, here you go. With, it, it's weird because yeah. like America goes through this sort of cognitive dissonance, right? It has two opposing ideas at the same time. On the uh-huh. one hand, in the eighties, seventies, oh it, uh, HIV, you know AIDS was a a gay white man's disease, right. and then it went to Haiti. It's like yeah. you just throw this disease right. to any group that you disagree with. <laughs> and you know, I just but my people know, wasn't having it, it back there. then. <laughs> well, you know, they, they weren't I mean, having it. I mean, for the FDA to come out and say it's one thing for the stigma to be on us from whatever source, but for the FDA, 
who did not do their research, who kind of just came out the yeah. and just said, yo, yeah, we get it from Haitians when... Okay, so really, what's, the, what's really, the difference between him... What's the difference between that and the president's making a statement like that? FDA is a scientist. Everybody know Trump's an idiot. You feel me? <laughs> right, right. FDA is a, is a scientific... There's legitimacy. You know, there's a, yeah. a real stamp of legitimacy on them, but they didn't do the research exactly. that... Warrant that they that would warrant the statement like exactly. that because if they did do the research, what actually came out was homosexuals that would come from Haiti, you know, from, not from Haiti, but from the United States to Haiti as a tourist destination. You know, they were doing sex tourism over there. There was mm-hmm. a lot of weird stuff going on, and that's what kind of brought in the the AIDS epidemic to Haiti and Haiti as a population. Of I didn't know that. It's kind of like cholera with that. the UN. The well, UN yeah, brought cholera. Yeah, I didn't Haiti, know that, like I said, we, we, we are a isolated nation. So yeah. anything that we get nine times out of ten, because it's only been, 10 million people. We've been here for 400 years. Yeah. We've been, Haiti's been Haiti for a long, long time. That's why we have our own language. Right. We had time to develop all that stuff. Absolutely. So for anything that, that hits Haiti, you know what I'm saying, it's usually being brought in by some external source. Right. You know what I'm saying? So then we get the label from something that's not even ours to begin yeah. with. Yeah. That's kind of messed up. So, you know. It's kind of like foreign intervention. You, yeah. you, you cripple Haitian's uh, economy. And then you say, oh, Haiti is the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. But, right. but why? There is no context every time they mention that in the article. Right. You know what I mean? Because um, even with the whole thing with the AIDS, when, when, when Trump said at the beginning of the year, everyone was like, you know, am I shocked? And, you know, asking for statements. I was like, I'm not shocked because I've yeah. been following the TPS story since right. last year. Right. We did a whole panel on it. So anything that came out after they denied the TPS thing, of course, everyone was angry about that. So anything that came out negatively about Haitian, once that denied, like once they denied it and didn't really have like a big, big reason, it was like, we just denied it. It's over with. I knew we were getting ready to be at war. I knew, you know, Haitians, the community was about to get attacked, right? (laughs) Right. So that was like, I'm not surprised because you guys want us out. Like, you want the TPS. You Mm. want to validate, add to validation of why you, you know, you're you're canceling TPS. Dehumanize first. Right. So Mm -hmm. whether or not he said, because people was like, well, he didn't say it. He didn't say it. Whether or not he said it was in the press. It was everywhere. Mm-hmm. Right. People used it to basically, well, whatever vendetta they have, if they hated Trump, they use it. If they hated the Clintons, they use it. It right. became this nonstop conversation mm-hmm. while we were trying so- to fight it, like, you know, like, no, we're not standing for this. You're not going to do this. We fought this before. We're not bringing this back. Right. People yeah. were just using it to be mad. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, we were the only ones really fighting, like, hold up now. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so it really wasn't until his shithole comment. Then it was like, then it's like the okay, world, like, everybody line. backing us right. up Right, well, well, yeah. because, again, if you call a, if you, you know what I find very interesting? Republicans are very honest about what the Clintons did. Okay. To Haiti, what Bill Clinton did with the rice tariffs, you know, decreasing that from fifty percent to four um, percent. They're very, you know, they're very vocal about what the Clintons did for political expediency. They want to say that, hey, look, look what Clinton did to Haiti, um, but no one's ever, you know, no one's talking about that. You should vote for Trump, right? <laughs> right? right. Don't vote for Clinton because of what she did to Haiti. But then when we tell you, well. Look what else the United States did to Haiti. Woodrow Wilson occupied Haiti from 1914 to 1930s. I I think I get the the dates wrong. No, Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. 1915 to 1930-something. That entire time, they exploited the country. But yet you want to focus on Clintons. <laughs> right, right, right. I yeah. mean, you know, everybody wants to point the finger and use whatever arguments they have to their own defense. You know what I'm saying? But at, at the end of the day, you know, all sides play party to different things that benefit right. them. I mean, the he, he called the whole water. continent of Africa. Yeah. Right. And, and it makes true. no sense. It's not, it doesn't <laughs> warrant that. And, and, and what it does is it kind of makes people realize the thought process of uneducated people that may be in high places. Hey, they have like 
may have billions of dollars, but they're really not educated. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, people know Africa's not, you can't call the entire continent (laughs) a shithole. It doesn't make sense. Really, it doesn't make sense. And really, there are places in the United States where you can consider to be a shithole, depending on how you're looking at it. For me, you know what I'm saying? A poor country having poor people is, you know, Normal, you know what I'm saying? Whereas mm-hmm. a rich country having people that can't eat, you know, I it's think that's, that's abnormal. Right. I think that's more yeah. extreme, you know yeah. what I'm saying? But it's all relative, you know what I'm saying? And we have to understand that when we move forward in this in this discourse to say, you know, we it's good for us to identify how these people think. Yeah, yeah. When yeah. we approach yeah. them, we have that level of awareness. It, it's fascinating. Absolutely. You know how people reappropriate words, like, for example, nigga, right? right. Nigger, we reappropriate, reappropriate a nigga. A lot of the voters who voted for Trump reappropriated reappropriated the word deplorable. Remember when Clinton mm-hmm. called everyone deplorables? Mm-hmm. And so they took pride in that because how dare she call us deplorable? And then you had white Americans, and I'm saying a specific demographic, who took offense to Haitians defending Haiti. Right. Why would we then reappropriate the word shithole? And right. if we did, we're doing exactly what you did with the word deplorable. It is not good to use name calling to shame someone. Right. In their current predicaments. Right, right. And right. then for me, that, that like with social media, I, that was one of the things that was disappointing me. I mean, say what you want to say, feel how you want to feel, because a lot of some people agreed with me and some didn't. I didn't like the idea that a lot of us were saying, okay, well, we're going to use this now. We're going to empower, like, I'm going to call myself a shithole. I'm, nah, I'm putting nah, it on yeah. t shirts. Yeah. No way. I don't want to be identified. Yeah. No it's way, no how. Than like, it's de- right. Yeah. It's like, you're, I'm not going to identify that. Like, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to call Haiti that now. Oh, I'm going to my shithole country. No, no I'm, but, we're not but, doing that. But, but all of this for me, me, it, it kind of comes back to what we kind of touched up on the last time. Last time we were we were here, Wanda, and it's like we're talking about like this premium on Eurocentric thinking, a premium on Eurocentric culture, and this idea that many people have, not only Europeans but even us African people, people of African descent, and all over the world that everything European is better. European language, European religion, European color, European hair, European mm-hmm. eye color, everything is better, and they buy into that themselves, again, for the reason I talked about before. Like, they want to have a, a status in this caste system, right? right. So they got to sit up here and put us down. They got to put yeah. anybody else down. They got to put, you know, DACA kids and all this stuff, put them down so they can have a status. Because in their countries where they came from, Ireland, England, mm-hmm. before they got, before they left there, you know, they were at the bottom. Yeah, they went through yeah. Ellis you know Island, saying? just yeah. like, you know. Yeah. People don't want to be, oh, yeah, they want to call somebody else. They want, they, they're quick to call somebody else a nigger or whatever right. negative term they can term because they were the niggers. Yeah, in, in the, freaking, the, in the great ghetto Britain. was a you Jewish, um, mm-hmm. that, that was used for the Jewish. Absolutely. And so we went through that growing up, you know, as Haitians. Like, we were, it's the same thing. They were at the bottom, so now somebody's new, and now they're at the bottom, too. And, and, so speaking, and right now, oh, I'm sorry. That's right. like, so speaking of that, as far as, like, since we, we're talking old generation to new generation. Yeah. With this generation right now, not, let me not even say generation, but how this whole, you know, AIDS and shit whole thing was handled. Do you think us as a community, as a Haitian community, did, did we handle it right? Did I we, think so. You think we did? I, I, and to my surprise, I saw a lot of people come in the defense of Haitians mm. who, were, who were non-Haitian. Okay. I, we, I've never saw that growing up. It's the complete opposite now. Right. Because there is an African renaissance happening right now, okay. right? Afrobeats, art. I mean, there's a huge uh, film, television, music. There's a huge black, you know, um, renaissance happening right now, a huge Haitian renaissance right now. So there's a, a bigger support system, better understanding between blackness. We're now redefining what black means to right. a lot of people. Right. Um, gays have more rights. 
Afro-Latinos, we never even heard of that right, term growing right. up. You know, we are navigating and interrogating what it means to be black. Right. And so a lot of these words don't mean anything because right. we've already combated that. Yeah. Now, what I see is a breakdown in identity of whiteness. For the first time, whites are seeing themselves as white. So there's ethno-nationalism happening right now. Right. Barack Obama was president. For the first time, white Americans saw themselves as white. For right. the longest, they've just been the default. Yeah. Right. Because right? Well, the numbers are shrinking, too. The numbers are shrinking. Uh, you know, they're not having enough children. And so these are having like, you know, huge um, repercussions to the psyche. Right, and, right. and like we said, growing up, I mean, yeah. when we say what it was like growing up being Haitian, it's all psychological. Yeah. That's all it was, a psych was, psychological and, breakdown. And it's all psychological. And, and Wanda kind of asked me a question earlier, like about growing up in Kendall. And I, I wanted to touch on it because, you know, my experience was very... I came to understand that my experience growing up Haitian was very different coming from Kendall. And I wanted to give some a little bit of insight of what growing up Kendall was, what it was from a historical standpoint and what it, what, why, how it became what it was. You know what I'm saying? So Kendall is a place where, number one, Kendall was built off of drug money, right? Kendall was, if you ever watched that show, um, Cocaine Cowboys, that movie, mm -hmm. yeah. all those scenes and all those things that took place down there, like the, the shootouts and all that stuff that happened like basically in the 70s, were done basically in Kendall. Everybody from Kendall knows that. Those street corners, we seen them, we knew them, we identified like, yo, that's right by so-and-so's house. So this is a place that was kind of developed with that money. You know what I'm saying? This is kind of a suburb that was created from that, right? Um, Haitians, what happened with Haitians is you had a bunch of Haitians that were in New York since the early 60s, right? And, you know, they went to New York, they became taxi drivers, worked factories, became nurses, did what they had to do. And uh, they said, lo, you know, lo and behold, we're getting out of here. You know what I'm saying? My parents was one of those. You know, we left in 88, which was like the, the peak of the crack epidemic in, in, in New York. And it was like, you know, these Haitians would, were starting to leave and come back down to Miami. At the same time, you know, a lot of refugees were coming into Miami as well. So you had this, this flow of Haitians into this area. Kendall, I don't know why they chose Kendall, maybe because the way the houses were and everything, but it became kind of the center for middle class and upper middle class Haitians to kind of locate and live. Mm. Mm. And, and so growing up, me being Haitian meant, you know, everybody basically had a house to live in. Like, we, it wasn't poverty. It, right. it, it didn't like a, with, like a lower middle class or middle like, class, upper I'm middle class? Middle class, upper middle class. Okay. You know what I'm saying? And, it, and really, these people, they were either professionals coming from New York or people that had money since Haiti. Sounds like you Boston. Know, you know, <laughs> Haitians people, in Boston. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's like these people, they, they had money since Haiti. I mean, growing up, I remember there was a lot of doctors, lawyers, um, friends of my, you know, friends of my, my mom's family. And it was like, wow, we were all pretty, pretty much doing good. We blended in well with the White kids, we blended it That's well. That's how it's next. You talk blended. You know, what was the community was the community sticking together? It was. Let me tell you, it was a blended community. It wasn't like, oh, we're Haitian. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We didn't really right. have to yeah. gang have to project get, gang yourself. together, gang yeah. together, or, or or defend ourselves. You right. know what I'm saying? Wasn't nobody really attacking us because we were doing pretty well. As a matter of fact, when we did have conflict, when I had conflict growing up, it was because and and I'll tell you, a lot of us Haitians that grew up there. We had a mentality almost that we were better than um, other African Americans. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, from an this, economic the, the standpoint, same can be said about Africans from the continent, Nigerians in particular. Right. You know, that same dichotomy existed. It, it, you see yeah. what I'm saying? So I had to break myself out of that mentally. You know what I'm saying? Because and 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 it, it has to do with the history of the country because you start you start to talk about these Haitians that came into New York and these Haitians that came from Haiti with money in the in the 90s. You know what I'm saying? It's like 
you know, people come from the bourgeoisie came up, mm-hmm. came up. They, they all the huge they brain drain. The the, the 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 middle class, the working class from New York, they all kind of piled in together. And so we're all in this place, and we're all doing good. It's kind of and the hoods in in Southwest, the hoods in Kendall in that area are so terrible. I don't know if you guys seen the the the, the Netflix show where they was like fighting, like mm. where Kimbo Slice came from. Mm. Those, like those hoods are so real. You know what I'm saying? Those kids are so poor. You know what I'm saying? It was easy to look at. Look at your, the difference now. You right. talk about the difference that you saw. Mm-hmm. The difference that we saw was like, yo, you know, we we wear like polo and we yeah. wear, you know, we have mm-hmm. nice clothes and they're really struggling. You know what I'm saying? So we would get conflict because we were acting like we was better than people. class conflict. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So it was a very different environment, a different experience. Which, which is how caste systems function. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, and, and I'll tell you, man... Um, I saw that, and, and the Eurocentricity plays into that because there's colorism in within our caste system in Haiti. Mm-hmm. That, should, that that translated into Kendall as well. So you got the lighter skinned Haitians mm. now. You know what I'm saying? You know the hood is always, always hood's always black. Yeah. Right, you right. feel me? So it's like there's that dichotomy. All these things existed in my in my upbringing. So you're talking about paving the way and thinking, being prideful. I was always prideful because you know. I never had anybody attacking my Haitianness. I would hear these jokes and it, it never made any sense to me. I would laugh. Yeah. I'm like, what are you talking about, Cap, man? I eat sauce by, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> That's but, funny you said that. Like, um, Again, whites finding themselves like in the center of ethnicity now. You just said the hood is stereotypically always black, mm-hmm. but the hood is also white. white right, in Philly, right. I was in Philly for about almost two years. You go to Kensington, and it's, again, there's a huge opioid crisis happening right now, and it's devastating white families. Go to Kensington, and you see like needles on the ground and these white families being broken apart. A lot of white families who lost their manufacturing jobs and like the Rust Belt, you know, they're succumbing to drugs or whatnot. Now... It's a different interaction. It's a different response than it's like a, it's the an opioid and crisis when there's a crack era. It's an yeah. opioid crisis. We have yeah. to solve the problem. Right. The response to, is very different. Oh my God. <laughs> and I, lo- I love where you guys are going with this because this is the perfect time to bring in our next guest. He's calling in from New York, Dr. Romulus, but he also goes by DJ Script. Um, so, Absolutely. <laughs> so he's a Brooklyn native artist manager. He's the owner of Black Diamond Management. Um, so he's a, he's a filmmaker. He moved to Brooklyn with his parents at the age of six. As a child, he was heavily influenced by the hip-hop culture, and it motivated him to embrace his style and creativity. Um, he grew up, um, growing up, some of the musical icons who inspired him was Eric B., Rakim, Big Daddy Kane, Nas, yeah. <laughs> Jay-Z, and so on and so on. So how me and him got connected was crazy because... When I was talking about trying to do this episode, I really wanted to find someone that was part of the movement in New York. Yeah. Um, that actually knew what it was like growing up Haitian then when, you know, they were saying that we were giving people AIDS and I wanted to find somebody that can speak on walking the Brooklyn Bridge right. um, April 1990. And then, you know, he connected with me about this movie that he wanted to show. I had heard about the movie. It's called a polo documentary. So I was like, the Haitian polo documentary. I'm sorry. So for me, I'm like, Haitian polo. Why would I want to... You know, promote polo. Oh, Ralph Lauren's not cutting me any checks. I'm not. You pro- good boy, right, yeah. right. I'm like, why would I, why we want to promote it? So he was like, no, watch the movie, watch the movie. I, I went, I set up one night and I watched the movie and I under like when I saw the movie was about and I was like, oh, okay, okay. So the polo part had to do with when they were growing up in Brooklyn, the polo was their Haitian flag. 
Polo wearing polo was their <clears throat> Haitian flag because they you couldn't rock like we said earlier, rock Haitian flags. So they wore polo to identify, signify that they were Haitian in that culture back then. So it was like a cold language. It was yeah. that. Yo. So, so Scrib, I just want to go ahead and let you go ahead and introduce yourself really quick and tell us a little bit about the movie and we can go into, you know, and we'll we'll continue our conversation. Well, 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 my name is um, Dr. Romulus. I also go by the name uh, DJ Scrib because I am a DJ. And just to piggyback of... Uh, of some of the things that you said. Well, first and foremost, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be talking to you on the phone and doing this podcast. Um, I'm very excited about that. Um, like I said, my name is Dr. Romulus, and uh, I also go by the name of DJ Script. You said something in terms of me coming from Haiti. Yes, I know you said um, 1986. Actually, it's June 7th, 1985. I was so excited taping the documentary that I forgot that line. But it's actually in 1985 I came here. 1985. And, yeah, 85. Well, I've been living here for about 33 years. All right, all right. <laughs> cool. And, yeah, and I'm, and I'm very excited. Um, this is a very exciting time um, to see young Haitian Americans um, in the industry doing a lot of positive things, such as Wanda. And I, I mean, I, someone told me about her about two, three years ago. And I'm like, I, I have to meet this young lady. I have to meet her. Yeah. And, and I, I tried so much to get her attention on Instagram. It's <laughs> <All right. laughs> always hard to do. It's real hard to do. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, eventually I kind of, you know, tap into my little network. And, you know, now we, you know, we gelling with one another. You captured the um, renaissance but, woman. Yeah, and she's a very <laughs> beautiful soul. Uh, but to move forward in terms of the documentary, I came from Haiti very young. And when I came from Haiti, I did not know much about, you know, the Haitian culture. Um, I basically grew up in America. Uh-huh. However, you know, I, I grew up in a Haitian, so to speak, compound because where I grew up on Crown Street and No Street. What's so Woo! funny? I'm right there now. Oh, yeah, boy. Street, no boy. Huh? That's a real, that's a, I know Crown Street and No Street, yeah. yeah I, as a matter of fact, I'm right, I'm right on Crown Street and No Street right now. This is so <laughs> it's, it's different now, though. Yeah. They got the hipsters yeah. out there now. Gentrified. <laughs> Yo, and uh, I said to my, as, you know, as you, as you settling into the culture, it's not your country. You don't really know much, so you're a little bit scared. And and as you as you develop and you start to pick up stuff, you know from the from the you know music, the design, the clothes, the fashion, um, you start getting a little comfortable. And during the '80s, it was it was a taboo to be Haitian. All from from the '80s all the way up to 1994, 95, 96, 98. That's when Haitians kind of you know, have a little room to breathe. And especially when Wyclef came on the stage Word. after Grammys Absolutely. with the Haitian flag. And I Word. think that was in 1998, if I'm not mistaken. Right. That right, th- that right there was like the cherry on the, uh, on the cake. But, but, but before that, I always wanted to tell my story growing up here in America. Especially when I went to college, I started learning about the Haitian Revolution. So I said to myself, 
yo, I'm a strong Haitian. Yo. So why do yeah. I have to act like I'm an American? Right. I don't have to act like these people anymore. But, <laughs> you know, we, we all Africans um, from Africa. We all African descent. Um, in the beginning, it was a little bit, you know, difficult for me to... Yeah, talk to, to us a little bit about that. Like, what was that like? Cause, like, of course, the... In the documentary, we do see that. And I saw and learned all these things about, you know, what you guys went through that I didn't... I thought it was bad in Miami. Right. But Brooklyn, New York was just as bad. So talk to us a little about that and, you know, some of the things that you and your friends went through and what you oh guys my, had to do oh, to, sh you know, represent, you know, your culture. Oh, my God, man. And <laughs> to, to compare today's generation and back then generation, because I'm from the old school... There was some kind of more togetherness with the Haitians because back in the days, it was very hard. Um, it was very tough. It was very challenging for us. You know, the, the, the other kids, you know, the Jamaicans, the Panamanians, the yeah. Trinidadians, the, mm -hmm. the, the African-American kids, mm -hmm. they used to call us horrible name and they used to treat us very bad. Right. They used to treat us so bad that many Haitians who did not really look, you know, quote unquote, like Haitians, would not say they're Haitian. And most of the time they would say they're Jamaican or they're I... from Canada. <laughs> they're, from, they're from Canada or they're from somewhere else other than Haiti. Yep. They would call us names such as HBO, Haitian body odor, yeah. mm -hmm. um, ha Haitian go back to your nation. That was the first time I heard that one. Heard that, that, one. Was that, was, that was a pretty good one. <laughs> it was a song. It was a song. What? It was Haitian, 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 please go back to your nation. What? <laughs> yep. They had was, bars with it? It was, it was crazy. Yeah. And when, when Donald Trump made that statement about, you know, Haiti being an SH, um, it was like, yo, they, that's how they used to treat us anyways. Right. Why are they mm -hmm. acting like they're offended? That's exactly, that's the exact treatment we used to get. And I'm and look, me talking about this, sometimes it gets me very emotional. Because there was a point in time, they would come inside of our classroom and start fighting with the teacher to fight us. Wow. They would come in, yep, that's how bad it was. It was, it was a nightmare. It was, it was so much of a nightmare that, Many young Haitians who left Haiti, very docile, very calm, very respectful. When they came here, they, they had no trust but to be gangster. Yeah, they yeah. had no trust but to be tough. Because Yo. if they were not tough, man, they would get eaten in the streets. And many of them did. Yo, so we... So Doc, we saw a lot of... We saw that in Miami. Like, we saw the Zopound get formed from guys getting beat up. And, you know, my brother... Like, I was born in Brooklyn, but my family, they came, like, they came to New York first. So in the 80s, that era that you're talking about, like, my brother kind of went through that, too. And in the, in the documentary, you guys mentioned, like, the Decepts and the Decepticons and how they was running things. My brother got jumped by oh the my, Decepts. Oh, oh, my God. You know what I'm saying? Because we was over there by um, Vanderveer. Like, he, he, we had to go through Vanderveer projects at times or whatever. Like, not through the projects, but in that whole vicinity where they was, they was, they was out there really I, doing yeah, that I, thing. As a matter of fact, I'm about to go through Vanderveer right now. <laughs> <laughs> I, heard, I heard car horns okay. and everything. He's it's out not, there in the streets for real. But yeah. I don't even think it's called Vanderveer, but it's not the same anymore. Uh, As a matter of fact, way before the DCEP, there was this crew called the Izod. Oh my goodness, man. The Izod was a young, a bunch of young terror. You know, the, the Izod was more like mid 80s, uh, uh, 
early 90s, and then the bishop came. Right. When the bishop came, the bishop was more ruthless because these guys, they will be walking around with shotguns, knives, Oof. hammer. So these were, these were yep, Nah, so the yep. D7 the crew, Doc, the D7 crew, there was, was that a Brownsville crew? Because Flatbush is where the Haitians came out, like East Flatbush, Brooklyn. Yep. That's kind of neighborhood where the Haitians was at, right? Was, well, were the D7 from Flatbush or were they from, like, they, Brownsville? You had... You had um, Haitians all over Brooklyn, but the main concentration was around the Flatbush, um, Crown Heights, Canarsie area. To, to, be, the, to be honest with you, the DCEP, some of them came from Bronzeville. They, they came from all over, okay. but I think mainly most of them came from Bronzeville. Um, and and, and that's, that's what I remember about them because I was never part of any gangs. Yeah. I just knew the terror that they caused by watching the news and by seeing them fighting with my Wait, brothers. Wait, so these gangs, this friends. is a Haitian gang? Nah, the, the Seps was kind yeah, of an American gang. Oh, the Seps are American gang. That didn't like Haitian. Like, the, the Septicon gang was probably the biggest gang in Brooklyn at that time. Yeah, you would say that? At that time, it's not, I don't, I don't want to misinform you. It's not that, it's not that they did not, they did not like Haitian. They had a problem with anybody. <laughs> it's just that if you, if, you, if, you, if you were a Haitian, you like a double target. Right, <laughs> oh, right. <okay. laughs> uh, do, do, you, do you have any, like, specific stories about what you went through? Because we all have, like, a, a, yeah, we all have, like, an overarching, you know. Um, I have tons of stories. <laughs> yeah, yeah, g- g- give us, give us one did. hardcore story that, that, that kind of, like, solidified for you that, oh, man, I am actually Haitian. Give, give us that one story that happened well, to repeat, you. Repeat, repeat what you said? Uh, give me that one story where you finally realized, like, oh, my God, I am actually Haitian. Give me that one story. Well, in terms of the American kids picking on Yeah, us, yeah, or, yeah. Or in general? Uh, in terms of, you know, getting picked on? Well, I have like a million stories, man. <laughs> when, when I went, because, you know, I, I came here at the age of five years old, and then, you know, I went into um, junior high school, intermediate school. Uh-huh. And, and when when I went there, when I went there, I started feeling the segregation in, in, in the uh, elementary school. But when I went to, when I got into the junior high school, the, the segregation was real. Because what happened is, on they separated. That's how bad it was. Wow. They put the Haitian kids on the third floor. The whole third floor is the Haitian kids. Wow. And yeah, the, the third, the second and last floor is the American kids. And then when it's time to go to the lunchroom, the Haitian kids was on the side by themselves. And when it's time to go outside, the Haitian kids was on one side of the of the courtyard. Oh, man. So it's, it was crazy. And, 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 but you know what's so funny about it? This, when you're looking in terms of segregation and integration, mm-hmm. when we were together, it was a lot of love. We love each other. You can't yeah, touch one true. of us. Mm-hmm. You yeah. touch one of that's us, the whole crew. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, the, the whole crew's going to run on the other side and start fighting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I one, saw a lot of that. I so, saw a lot of that. Yeah. One, one day, one day there was this kid, and, I, and this thing, I, it stays in my mind till today. There was this guy who was picking on the Haitians, yeah. and he actually came on the third floor. He came on the third floor, and my older brother got him in a chokehold. <laughs> and as my, brother, as my brother started squeezing his neck, he was screaming, yo, I'm Haitian, I'm Haitian too, I'm Haitian too. And my brother was like, what? You Haitian and you picking us? You, you want to, nah, I'm going to kill you now. You got to be sad. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because what, what it was is, 
he was one of those Americanized Haitians. Mm. So he, and he wanted to prove to the American kids he had died with us. Wow. So, so, yes, he was a he was saf- going, he was sacrificial lamb. So my brother got him in a chokehold. He actually defecated on himself. Oh, the man. Came, yep, 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 yep. <laughs> it, it got real. So it it got real. Yep. Now it yep. got real. <laughs> yep, what's so crazy about it, his parents came to the school the next day. They could not even speak English. Oh, man. Oh. Yo. It was a lot. I re, yo, I remember a lot of that. I think oh, I talked yeah. about that the last time, yep. like being so, in the office with some kids and not realizing they were Haitian until their parents came, parents came to yeah. school. Yep. And then, yeah. like, the parents looking at them, like, yo, help me. <laughs> and they looking like, oh, yep. there's other people in the room and they're afraid to, like, help word, their parents. So, so, Doc, all this fighting yep. going on, all this choking going on, right? Um, I, I remember, you know, and I, 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 I the documentary, I got to take a take a peek at it. And um, I remember back in the days, like, reading about the low-life crew. And this is kind of what, you know, the, the documentary is about. And, you know, I read about them in the, when you guys was in the Source magazine. And the Source did the expose on the, on the low-life. This is like 98, 99. What was the, was the low-life crew? Because I know there was a lot of a lot of robbing for Polo. There was a lot of things going on and some street stuff. But was were you guys, would you have considered the low-life crew um, a, a gang? Was it like for self-defense against all the terrorists? Well, let him tell us. Nah, let, the, let tell the, the people the what the low life crew, crew is first. Yeah. What What you said first of all, the low life crew is it, not a gang. What the low right. well, they can they, it kind of feel like a gang, but it's not a gang. What it is is it's a group of kids who got together back in '88 and they formed that name, Low Life. Okay. Um, a couple of them lived on St. John's in Utica. Right. And then a couple of them came from Bronzeville, MJV, Marcus Garvey Project. Okay. Right? So, yeah, so they came from over there. And, you know, because their, their fundamentals and their, and their whole principle was polo, you know, instead of going at each other, why don't they come each other and, and form this whole, this big unit? All right. And it was, it was basically all about going out of town boosting for polo and trying right. to get the illest polo clothes right. the illest polo item because okay. think about it you grew up in the hood your father and your mother is not no millionaire they don't have money like that where are you gonna get money in the 80s to buy sweaters that cost two three hundred dollars you know what i'm saying so these dudes they kind of came up with a way to trick the system and and, and, and take a lot of stuff from our floor right. now and with, within the low life cool you know, it started going all throughout Brooklyn, and I'm and I'm pretty sure there was a couple of Haitians in there also, because right. at that at the thing about Polo is it was all about who had the freshest gear. But okay. there's a problem there. The more Polo you have, the more danger that's gonna come to your door if you can't protect right. yourself. Because right. they were robbing people for So so that's basically how it was. And, and during those days in Brooklyn, New York, it was all about getting fresh. And getting yeah. fresh came with a price. Ooh. When you get fresh, you better be able to protect yourself. Either you got knives, guns, or you work with a crew. Because okay. if you saw, they're gonna take everything you have. Okay. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, so you had so you so, had like he said, like some of you have these timid kids that came from Haiti that was like all soft and like kind hard kids and then they roughing up. So you had some of these kids that was probably what, like straight A students? And all that stuff yep. in these type of groups because like they just what wanted to be protected mm-hmm. or wanted to have a group of people to roll with. The thing is, if you get beat up every day, if every guy comes to you and keeps smacking you up, <laughs> if you don't defend yourself, 
you you know you basically a sucker. Right. Yeah. You know so so what you gonna do? Or you're gonna or, emulate, or if you're, you're involved in sports, the, you're gonna emulate <laughs> the toughest guy. Or you're gonna grow up to you know you're gonna grow some balls. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So if you don't grow some balls and you 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 using the same strategies that you had in Haiti to to deal with people over here, you're in trouble. Right. So yeah. what happened is many of these kids they became tough. And guess what? Some of the kids from Haiti, they already came from Haiti knowing how to fight. They were just not, right. you know, annoying kids. <laughs> right. So when these when these American kids provoked them, man, these kids became some bad son of a gun, man. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. This, this, and, and, and that's how these, some of these kids became part of the Haitian mafia. You know, you got all of these crazy Haitian gangs all over Brooklyn. Right. That was a point in time, too. Let's not forget, after these Haitian kids finished getting beat up, some of them revolted and they formed their own party. Right. And they were beating up. Yeah, they were shooting up the Jamaican kids. They were stabbing them. Wow. They were beating them up. Yeah, to the so, point where they, they started to be like, yo, don't mess with the Haitians. They're crazy. Right. <laughs> right. So that's where that comes the, from. The rappers, that's where that that's whole where thing comes from. Like, yeah. being afraid of Haiti. Yeah, with the same thing with Zoe Pound. Yeah, I got my, Miami. Got my they do. I'm a Zoe's. And that, they know we're, they're crazy in Miami. Haitians are crazy. That's, so. that's self-defense yeah, thing. Yeah, and it it kind of catalyzes. Haitians are crazy. Don't mess with them because... I remember my older brother running from school. Mm. He got stabbed in the back. Wow. He went and he, he got a knife. He went back to the school and he stabbed the kid. The kid stabbed him again. He stabbed the kid. He was just a stab. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Well, 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 How many stabbings we got? I, I heard what part of scene in this movie? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think the kid, I think all in all, it was about three or four. Wow. Three Ooh. or four. Yep. And, and it's shocking how my brother didn't die. And, and the funny thing about this situation is the kid's family live in my building, and me and his cousins, we, we cool. But he's just not cool with my brother. They have beef. Yo. So, 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 Doc, now, like, going to, I used to go to New York every summer, but you talking about the 80s, growing up in the 80s in New York, right? I used to go in the 90s, right? So I saw kind of, you guys were like, had the low life crew. That's like 92, 93. But I see like, what, the, towards 97, I saw like, the whole blood and crip, New York blood and crip thing start formulating. And I know Flatbush was like, they had that Flatbush the crip Flatbush thing. Flatbush is heavy on that. Yeah. <laughs> so so Flatbush is like the whole crip thing, the whole GS9, Bobby Smurder, that, that, that whole movement there. Is there like, would you say that that's all connected? Would you say that? This whole, this whole well, thing down there. Honest, now. Um, Bobby Smurda, what, what you said, go ahead. I didn't listen. I didn't hear what the last part. What I'm saying is, would you say there's a connection between the crip thing going on in Brooklyn right now with the young Haitian kids in yeah. Flatbush now, right? Y'all crew the low you, life from the early 90s. I'm going to tell you something that's very fascinating, All right. right? Now, Bobby Smurda, I don't know if he's to him on Flatbush, but he's from the 90s. Right. He's from the 90s around there, but he has people on Flatbush, obviously, right? Now, after the low lives and all this DSAP, you know, kind of, you know, died down, some of these people converted into Crips. Okay. Because some, okay. Of, okay. some of these guys actually went to jail because for some reason when black people go to jail, they come out either blood, Crips, or Mus Muslim. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> they, they come out so. But some of these guys came out Crips or some of these guys converted into Crips or they're still low lives, but they're repping Crips okay. because Crips is what's hot or they're repping blood. That's what's hot right now. Right. Now, check this out. Now, there's no more... Um, Haitian, this, Haitian, that. So many of the Crips and the blood, they're Haitian. Right, <laughs> oh. right, right, right. So you see a they, direct lineage between 
you know, what was going on in the 80s with y'all, having to go through that, all that terrorism that y'all going through, having to fight through it, establishing like a low-life crew, and then that going into what we have now, which is this blood crip. And I know Flatbush is probably more do- predominantly crip. You see, you see that connection. That's that's a real connection. Of course, a saying. lot of a lot of the low lives they became crip. Just like I told you, they became Yo. crip and they became blood. They either blood or crip. Right. And some of these blood or crip dudes, some of them are Haitian. Like for example, GS9. If you really research um, yeah. their crews, most of the people in there are Haitian no, kids. Haitian. It's a Haitian crew, yeah. Yes, Haitian, there's a lot of Haitian kids at Crips in their, in their crew. You understand? So eventually, after a while, there, there, there became a connection with all of this thing going on because it's no longer about, yo, you effing this, you effing that. Now let's get together and take over this block or make this money or do what we got to do to take over the world. And you know so, what I'm saying? So now, whether you Haitian or Jamaican, if I could get along with you, we're going to do it together. You understand what I'm saying? Right, right. So let's move back a little bit. So you guys are night. Let's move back a little bit to the to 1990. Because I remember I talked to you about this on the phone. Like, because I always really wanted to have a conversation with someone that was part of that era where Haitians came together. And I think it was a 50,000, what was it, 500,000 or 50,000? Um, I'm going to check the number. Um, Haitians that walked across the bridge in, Bo- in Brooklyn after, you know, they said that, you know, Haitians had AIDS. So can you talk to us a little bit of, like, what that time frame was like and, you know, and, and how, what it was like growing up in that time and being part of the people that are actually were part of Haitians coming together like that? Well, it was, like I told you, it was, it was a phenomenal time. It was it was the best of time because for some reason the struggle always bring people together. When 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 the CDC said that you know um, Haitian but Astro America and then a few ignorant people um, co-signed it, what happened was I didn't I was not even knowledgeable about that until I started talking with my brother because my brother was one of those organizers too. Right. A lot of a lot of people who were not, for some reason, whenever Haitians get into some kind of serious dilemma, other nations always rush out to help Haiti. Right. I, I think that's a great thing. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the Haitian march that was established in the 90s, it was a collaborative effort with a lot of different clubs, a lot of different uh, organizations, because they did not really like what uh, what what was said about the Haitian and and that was that was one of the most epic moment in New York City history. Right. Absolutely. Because you 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 felt it in the air when that happened. Everybody didn't go to school. Nobody went to work. Yo, everybody just gathered together. Like yo, how are we gonna make this happen? Hmm. And all the kids from you know elementary to um, junior high school to high school to college. Nobody went to school. It was all about planning. How, and that was the most beautiful thing. And I think people should use this example to, uh, to go take that and bring it to Haiti and, and, and try to unite and bring Haiti forward. Because every Haitian was hurt. It was, it was the barbershop conversation. It was on the street. Absolutely. It was everywhere. Celebrities, everybody was talking about it. And when that day came, It was like it was like um, how should I say it? It was like when they um, when when these people left Egypt. What was their name again? I forgot. Cause, you know I'm a little bit rusty on the Bible. It was like <laughs> these people that got freed from 
the from pharaoh. the bondage of the pharaoh yeah, and the they're taking them they're taking themselves <laughs> to the hell it was a whole bunch of us the whole street was flooded when people saw us everybody was waving everybody was clapping and, yeah. and when we got to the bridge the bridge was shaking and I remember I was on the bridge, man. Yo, tears was coming out my eyes. Doc, <laughs> I, I, I got a I was, question for you. I was so I was so excited to be part of this thing, and and then when when that happened, a lot of respect started coming forward hmm. for the Haitians, and you know the city CDC took what they said back. They apologized, and you know Haiti Haitians started to establish themselves over here. It was. It was it was great, man. I got a, I got a question for you. Moment. And for some strange reason, I always ask myself, why don't we stay like that? Why don't we why don't we just become like that? And, 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 and why do we have to wait for something to happen for us to to want to unite? We should just follow this dogma, follow this um, um this pedigree. Doc, we got a we got a question it. for you. We got a quick I, question I, for you. I got a quick we, question for you. Um. You talked about when you marched over the bridge that a lot of nations came to support and, and lend support to Haitians. Um, and we obviously talked about what it was like being Haitian, the uh, the culmination of gangs as a consequence to being bullied. But now it's cool to be Haitian because people are recognizing Haitian history, the Haitian Revolution. You talked about the Haitian Revolution earlier. I- I've never met so many people who knew Jean-Jacques Dessalines, who knows Toussaint Louverture. Right. Like, I've never these met days, so many right? non-Haitians yeah. who actually know these figures now. Do you think it's because now that society is catching up with Haitians' history and how profound it's been, the fact that Louisiana Purchase was created because of Haiti, the fact that Haitians actually fought in a Revolutionary War, Chicago. and um, all of these great, you know, historical moments. Do you think that has to do with us being cool now? The fact that people know about Haitian history now. You know, that's a great question, but you, that's a terrific question. But you know what I actually think? I think it's because of young people like Wanda. Mm. You know, she's putting all this information out there. Yeah. Young people like me who are extremely open-minded and Americanized, showing to people how cool it is to be Haitian. Because yeah. I would not allow you to tell me something is cooler than me, especially <laughs> my culture. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to allow I'm, so, I'm sorry, <laughs> you're going to have to accept that. So what happened was because we came from a long way, and we are proud of our ancestors and our heroes, and we're putting it in their face 24-7, and they're actually doing the work, and they're going to check it out to see how how factual it is and, and how important we are to America and to the world. Because let's, not, let's get this straight. Haiti did not just help, you know, the Caribbean and, and came here to America and help. Haiti tried to help the whole world. Even yeah. Greece. Exactly. Greece, exactly. Yep. They were the first country in the world to recognize even, Greece. Even Greece and so many other places that we're not even aware of. Now, Turner got his, you know, um, 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 spirit and, 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 and ambition and motivation because he heard about Haiti. You understand what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, so all of these things started coming forward. It's like all the information was there, and now we're digging it out and put it in their face like, yo, check this out. This is 100% fact. Right. Facts. Absolutely. Facts, we, we, facts. You understand what I'm saying? So you can't tell us, you know, who we are. We know who we, know we are. Who we are, are now. Accept. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, we, we so lived I up to those. Why, 
Uh-huh. But yeah, we lived up to those enlightenment ideals when all those European countries were not doing that at a time. And so I think that's very fascinating as well. I mean, even for example, during the Haitian Revolution, we've actually um, allowed the Polish to establish certain communities exactly. in, yeah. in Haiti because they fought alongside us. Yeah. You know, so we, Absolutely. we helped some more. Mm-hmm. I have a Haitian Polish friend. Wow. Like, so I, how, how do you have Polish? And then when I started. When I started reading, you know, about, you know, the history, I'm like, they're Polish and Haiti. I'm like, uh-huh, okay. Fascinating. That's why. Mm-hmm. And, and what people do not, many people do not understand this. Haitians, you know, it's not only made out of, you know, Africans and other people. When, when, when Dessalines, you know, did the Constitution, he was like, the whoever fight on the side of the Haitians. Yep. And and whoever respect the Haitians, once you're in this land, you're Haitian too. Yep. So 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 many many of these white people who you know who fought with the Haitians, you know they remain in Haiti. They have families. They they have generations. They're Haitian. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? They, it, it, it's that a lot of a lot of that education is not being put out, but you, so people could see. But huh? you know what's interesting now, though, that you guys are saying that. Now more of these people, these that you know, like these Polish Haitians, they're more they're proud too. Oh yeah, I can't begin to tell about. you guys how many emails we get and pictures and right. things of these people from all these different mm-hmm. places. Like, please put our picture up of my family or my mm-hmm. baby and my this and my that, and they they want yes. people to know, like, yes, I right. have blonde hair, blue eyes, but yes, I'm half Haitian, yeah, and yeah, you're yeah. getting a lot of that too. And I grow, I would have never. I mean, you know it existed, but it's yeah. like, wait, I actually. <laughs> Yes, sir. see and know someone that you know Polish Haitian and they're actually there's Haitian flags all in their bios mm-hmm. yeah, and yeah, yeah. With, with all the struggle that we have to go through I went, I went you know I usually hang out in the city Yo. I mean this is kind of like crazy of me I mean I said never act like that I met some blue eyes <laughs> Haitians I was shocked I'm like no way you guys are not Haitian he and said you met what kind of Haitians blue eyes some blue eyes oh. white blue eyes yeah, Haitians <laughs> I was I was like, what? You guys are Haitian? They're like, you're not more Haitian than me. I, I mean, <laughs> it's kind of like Chinese like, Jamaicans. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And sometimes they speak the language better than you? Yeah, yeah. They will speak yeah. the language better. Uh, again, but we have to realize Haiti is a country. It's, you know, Haitian is a nationality. Exactly. It's not an ethnicity. It's not a race. Thank you. And so um, I think a lot of times people get those things confused. Ethnicity, race, interracial differences, cross-racial differences, inter-ethnic differences. It's very complex. Identity is... Yeah. Very complex. Yes, yes. The, the, I think the Haitian situation, just like you said, it is a complex um, uh, situation, and it takes a very well. It takes an educated person with an open mind to see these kind of different um, point of views and dig different layers, right? And and connecting these things together because a lot of people, you know, but you have to understand with Haiti too, man. Haiti the. You know, white the white well, white supremacists they don't like Haiti. Mm-hmm. Whenever Haiti name comes up, they cringe because yep. Haiti give them a Haiti destroyed their um in the industries. A lot of industries yep. at that time that was making millions of dollars were yep. on the back of Haiti. Yep. So when Haiti destroyed these things, they don't like they don't want to hear about this thing. Exactly. They, right. they put an embargo. You know what I'm saying? It kinda it kinda bring back some nightmares. You understand what I'm saying? But mm-hmm. Due to the fact that we we live in a different you know age, different time, you know different generation, different people, it's kind of like okay, even if they did that, we're still in power. That Absolutely. With them. Just that, you understand? You understand what I'm saying? 
Dog, and, I know, I know, I know. When it comes to you, you could go on for this forever. Like, yeah, he literally hold me on the phone, yeah, like, for hour on this. So I yeah. know you could go on forever. I, for you real, know, for before real. you go, because we gotta let you go. But I appreciate you so, so very much for being part of the podcast tonight. I appreciate your insight and everything else that basically I've learned from you <laughs> these last <laughs> couple of weeks um, about your background and what it was like growing up, you know, um, in New York in that area around that time. But really quick before you go, let everyone know if they want to watch the Haitian polo documentary, where can they go watch it? Well, the polo documentary is available on VHX.com. Um, it's actually a streaming service. Uh, you just pay a fee and you will be able to, um, you know, purchase it and, and watch it. it. It has a lot of, you know, rich history in it um, in terms of, you know, the Haitian history revolution and in terms of, you know, how young Haitians settled in and became part of this urban and mainstream culture. Yeah. And it gives you, give you an idea of, you know, where we, where we were and where we at right now. And I, I think that's very important. And that's one of the main reasons why I did it, because there's a lot of misconceptions, a lot of, you know, misinformation um, out there, especially with the young youth today. They need to know these things. Absolutely. Walking, yeah, a lot of these kids walking out here, they don't know what the elders did for them to allow them to be the Kodak Black of today. With the gatekeepers. Or, or the 21 Savage of today. You know what I'm saying? That was the point in time you could not walk around with no Haitian flag in your head. Are you kidding me? <laughs> right. But thank you so much, Doc. I appreciate you. Um, um, we'll make sure we post the information on where people can watch the movie. Um, they can download it and, you know, subscribe basically to watch the movie. Um, to watch your movie. So thank you so much. I will check in with you a little bit later. I'm excited. I can't wait to come down there with you guys. Absolutely, Doc. You're always welcome. Thank you, brother. For sure. Yeah, so it so it's crazy because we went from how many different places did we just go so you to? You said earlier it's gonna be layered. Right? Mark said it's gonna be layered. It's yeah. So layered, there's so much, to and it. it's still so it's much we, like we couldn't even we cover. Even right, <laughs> for sure. So even like with his story, like hearing like your stories and my story, which is like so completely you know different than you guys' story, and what he's saying, what it was like growing up and now being part of this new generation of we don't even talk about those things anymore because yeah. like we said we're so proud now mm -hmm. the biggest thing for us is make sure people know our, our history, history. Mm -hmm. make sure they know the contributions i feel like we like he said we can't put that in people face mm -hmm. enough and even yeah. with that there's a lot of people like even haitians every day when we post certain things they're still shocked yeah. you know right. so even moving forward with some of the stuff that's going on now when you have like all these political people putting us down you got the president putting us down and everything else like what do you guys think as a community to have gone from like the things that he said and you guys said and like the experience I had moving forward how do we now you know as a community continue working to make sure like there are changes and then there's a lot of people that's gonna say well yeah you change in America what about Haiti so right it's, it's marketing right every culture has soft power United States is one of the great greatest countries in the world that markets itself are very well mm -hmm. right um but right now it's about owning the narrative the story and that's probably why he mentioned you when he's when we talked about people who are actually um having a, a catalyst change right now right. it's wanda who's creating these sort of platforms right. black panther is about to come out mm -hmm. it's it's a critically acclaimed international blockbuster that's going to finally showcase multifaceted black representation right Haitians have to do that for themselves now. Right. And that's going to take a lot of different platforms. That's going to take films. 
you know, um, what's the one director who uh, directed I Am Not Your Negro, James Baldwin film? Um, he was Raul he- Peck. Raul Peck, oh my gosh. Raul yes, Peck met him is a Haitian filmmaker who mm-hmm. just did a brilliant doc- documentary about James Baldwin. Right. Now, we need many Raul Pecks yeah. who mm-hmm. can create documentaries and films. You know, that's crazy Haitians. you said that. When I saw him recently in Miami uh, at a book fair. Someone said that. Someone said, why mm-hmm. won't you do a story about this and this and that, the Haitian rap? He said, I'm not the only Haitian. He's not the right. only... He was like, yes, I want like this, all these different things, right. but there's so many of us. It shouldn't take just only this particular right. director, you know, yeah, to we actually gotta, do a we, film. We have to be more vocal. And, you know, with all the positivity and all the positivity that we put out there and all the imagery that we're putting out there now, we need to not only continue it, but... It's like we have to always identify those of us that are still mm-hmm. trying to perpetuate this negativity because even with what Trump said and it was negative, we all stood up and a lot, most of us were like, hell no, we're not going to take that from you. A lot of people right, regressed and they internalized mm-hmm. what he said and they said, yeah, that's the truth. They actually said that was the truth. And even one of the presidents in Uganda, the president of Uganda oh, said it was guy. the truth as well. Mm-hmm. And so we're internalizing this Eurocentric propaganda. You know what I'm saying? The right. stuff that they're telling us that we are not good enough because of X, Y, and Z. And mm-hmm. that's the things that make us, you know, not shine in their light, you know, do not define us. Our poverty does not define us. Mm-hmm. We are greater than that. Haiti is a Haiti is as a country and our culture as well is greater than what makes us poor or the the, 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 the negative aspects of our culture that is so minimal when you when you understand the riches of what our history and our culture brings and the land and the beauty of the nature of Haiti and everything. It's like when you understand, you get that understanding, every all that negativity pales in comparison. So when you start talking about the value of things, the value of being Haitian, the value of Haiti in itself understanding that beyond just oh Haiti's the poorest country mm-hmm. in the western hemisphere yeah. that's the next level of thinking to me you right. know what I'm saying yeah, yeah. yeah. A- anyone that defines themselves and like you said the next level of thinking yeah. anyone that defines themselves by how much they can maximize profit by <laughs> how much materialistic things that they have is going to agree with Trump because right. their whole identity is about making is about acquiring capital right. cultural and social and financial capital right. so the Ugandan president is desperate he's going to uh, you know he's going to ascertain he's going to agree with Donald Trump that's right. they're in that same old school money driven mindset right. it's almost desperate so it's easy to regress back if you think that way right. but for our generation who are 80s babies right. we see a multi-layered way of improving our image image and making it tangible now we have a platform for images now we have to make it tangible another renaissance that's happening is the tech scene black it's black tech week right now Mm -hmm. felicia hatcher she's like the owner of that um and i see a huge movement movement developing right now in the tech sphere yeah so yeah more haiti you got haiti tech summit they're doing a second year you got more haitians google just did um a thing the other day with Mm -hmm. haitian they hosted a group of haitian techs right yeah haitians in tech that's the movement i mean you you were heavily involved with that last year yeah yeah we're gonna be going back this year as well man it's amazing so the fact that we have um platforms that showcase you know, imagery, positive imagery, multifaceted imagery. And of course, we're not perfect human beings, but at yeah. least they can see both sides of who we are. Yeah. And now we, like we said earlier, the tech scene. That yeah. That's that's the next tangible approach to take. We just need to work, period, is my Absolutely. thing. We just need to work, period. Because there's a lot of people that was like, well, why are you guys mad? Because Haiti's this and Haiti's that. There's trash. It's, yes, yes, we know. We're aware of that. We're not oblivious. We're not saying <laughs> right. that we, you know, oblivious to what's really happening. But just like you just said about America being one of the best this in the world mm-hmm. America has trash too yeah. and all these other yeah. things but that's not what's highlighted that's not what you're saying so we're not saying there's, there's not work that needs to be done 
Yeah, we have redeeming qualities. Mm-hmm. It's it's insane. Like the president can say the most heinous things, and their supporters will find redeeming qualities in him. Yeah, yeah. He can, you know, just came through like a cheating scandal. They will find redeeming qualities. Oh, it's he's just him. It's just Trump. Yeah, so we're not about really, the policies. Yeah, so we're not really saying like we're we're gonna be oblivious and say yes, Haiti doesn't have problems. They don't have this. They don't have that. But tell but the like full story, just, right? Tell right. the full picture. Give the full full identity of what this country mm-hmm. is because we're not just poor people. You know, so we're right. not just poverty. We're not just people that are going through things. Because everywhere in this world, in this city that I'm in right now, in Miami, in New York City, the richest places in this in this whole United States, or the richest country in the world, even there is poverty. Somebody's hungry right now. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's an international issue, and we are multicolored. We're bigger than our poverty. Puerto Rico. Look what's happening in Puerto Rico right now. Yeah. For the longest, it was considered much, obviously, richer than Haiti. Look at the way in which the president treated Puerto Rico with throwing, like, actual paper towels into the crowd and whatnot. And so if you start losing that financial status, uh, you know, a major country like the United States will look down upon you. And Puerto Rico is not really a country. It's yeah. kind of like... You know, it's still part of the United States, but you can but see says, how. Yeah, that says a lot. That says a lot about how we function and like how our president sees things. A lot of these political people see things. So a lot of times you can't just jump on, you know, their bandwagon of how they think. Yeah. And you know how they rationalize to see things like like it's important for us to stay within our own. You know, Banjo, what are we right. doing? You right. know, how we represent ourselves? What are we doing to help the people in Haiti? Absolutely. Yes, we have trash, but there's so many people that can't go back to Haiti that can help. All Absolutely. these, you know, Haitian Americans with degrees the and diaspora. jobs. What are we doing? So before we talk about somebody else, it's what are we doing, you know, to continue with this being proud, equating to more than just a Haitian flag mm-hmm. being around, productive. Being productive. you know, your head. So, yeah. So any last words, guys? I love you guys. <laughs> I love humanity. Thank you so much for the opportunity. That's all I have to say. Thank you so very yeah. much, Wilkin, for being here. We so love. appreciate having you tonight as a co-host. Absolutely. You're welcome anytime. Of course. So, you know, love. we'll be calling sure. on different topics. Sure. Yeah, time, I'm down. We're you Absolutely. in. I'm down, Absolutely. man. <laughs> any last words, Mark? Man, I just, I, I really, you know, these, 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 these talks are so important. And so, you know, they, they resonate so deeply within us because we've had these experiences. And I, I know that everybody listening right now has has had some part of something we talked about and I want the discussion to continue guys talk about it comment give us your insight tell us how you feel about it it doesn't end here it's, it's really just the beginning you know what I'm saying of this dialogue and taking it to the next level that we were talking about thank you thank you guys so much so until the next episode thank you so very much to tuning in this week podcast you never read <laughs> <laughs> I messed it up. I messed it up. <laughs> <laughs> We're good. Sissy. Don't be